asking me for me just to go in. I would have tell you that I'm not with the longest until I find that love in somebody more rather than all that I have in him. And that is Jesus Christ. And to be that I'm just trusting my strength. And that's why I believe that I'm in second. You know, but I would say that just as believers, There's some videos on YouTube, and they are entitled, I Am Second. Um, so if you don't speak fluent Spanish and you can read the last screen, it says, I Am Second. So uh, what it does is it's a, it's a ministry it's a, some, of some videos that uses um, Scott, Scott Hamilton, the famous gold medal uh, figure skater, uh, Albert Pujols, Clayton Kershaw, if you like baseball. Um, there are actually some... Uh, professional wrestlers, uh, a lot of people with a lot of TV um, time, pretty famous people are getting on those videos and they're talking about their faith. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible. If you, I just want to say, uh, I'm really glad to be here today. If you see me kind of walking like this, um, it was self-induced, okay, so don't feel sorry for me, but I played, I played five games of slow pitch yesterday and since I've lost 50 pounds, it's really fun to run. It really is. I like, I like, I like, I like to run now. <laughs> Weird. Um, but uh, my body, my muscles got to catch up with my head. <laughs> so uh, anyway, if you want to open, if you want to open your worship handout all the way and look on the right side at the, at the very top, uh, Christian Family Day is this Saturday. Fa- Christian Family Day is going to be at, on 9th Street in downtown, okay? So we're going to have a booth um, and it's going to be labeled Connections Booth. Okay, it's going to be Connection. We're going to have a booth there. There's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. Uh, some of the uh, the times have been taken, but if you can just be around during a certain time, please sign up if you're going to hang out. Uh, it does not mean that you cannot come to the Christian Family Day in any other time. Uh, it just means we're going to try to man our Connection Booth during those times, and if you have time. Um, some of you have already told me, hey, um, if I'm going to be there all day, do I just sign up for all the hours? No. Just come in, and if we need help, we may switch out with you. Um, but that's, be praying for that. Uh, it's going to be, you can contact Ken if you need some more information. Just below that, the football breakfast. I'm just giving you a heads up, because, you know, we're, it's not this week, but it's next Friday, the 31st. Um, we serve breakfast here at Connection for the football team. Uh, they eat breakfast at 7 a.m., and they can pound down on some food, okay? But if you can help us with a casserole, if you can, uh, we have the biscuits and gravy taken care of. Now, to put this into perspective, okay, and I know that probably growing up, my mom and dad said I, they, could never, they could never fill me up. I was just a, a growing teenage guy, and I could just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Listen to this. There's going to be 45 coaches and players, right? Last year, they ate three entire crock pots full of gravy, just gravy, three crock pots full of gravy. And you think, man, yeah, these, these great big great big guys walk around. It wasn't them. It was the little tight ends and wide receivers, little dudes coming in and going, mm-hmm. and they were like, they could, they could eat like circles around the big guys. They were so fast. They're going back in for seconds and thirds. And anyway, it's going to be a fun time. If you can help with that breakfast, um, some of you uh, may not be, you may not like the morning um, if, I, if I tell you the time that we'll probably start getting here to help with some cooking some stuff, I'm probably going to be here at between 4.30 and 
Now, some of you are like, no. <laughs> okay, but if, if you can help during breakfast, help serve, or if you, this is a big deal, if you can help clean up afterwards, because there's a lot of people that can help and start, and then if we could kind of turn it over to a team of other people, and maybe we can just get all this done, but if you can help with that, will you please see me? Uh, if you can bring something to eat, they love the breakfast casseroles and bacon, and they, they love bacon. Well, bacon's awesome. So we're actually going to talk about lots of Lots of pigs today, later in the sermon, uh, but, but uh, bacon, sausage, or, or whatever you want to bring, just let me know, and, and we, can, uh, we can get you going on that. But if you would, I'd really want to really pray for us, because today uh, you have chosen to be here, and uh, you, you've chosen to come. Many of you, for the last several weeks, we've been doing this, um, choosing to help others is today, but the, the whole thing, the whole sermon series has been called The Choice is Yours, and the choice that we have today is this. This is the end sermon of this, but it's not the end of our spiritual life with God. You have the choice to choose, I'm going to do it, or I'm not going to do it. And sometimes we choose not to do it, and we know what we should do. So today, I'm just going to ask God to speak to us. Um, You've sat yourself in a potentially dangerous seat because we are going to look at the complete application of these steps on how we get rid of things. And the last step is this, helping other people. But you cannot help other people. You cannot do what God wants you to do until he's fixed you. And I don't mean totally fixed. I just mean rearrange. <laughs> okay? So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we just ask that this morning you just remove me. God, that we make a whole lot to do about you. And God, that we internally, all of us individuals, it's not about who we're thinking about, not who's sitting beside us. God, but the the conversation that you want to have through the Holy Spirit with us today, right now, God, I just pray that you just help everything else to leave our mind, not to worry about it, but God, just have an appointment with you this morning. We love you. Amen. We had a great big week, many of us. Many of us had a big week. Last week, I got on to some of the parents and kind of jokingly, I said, some of you are singing Happy Day a little too loud because your kids started school this week. Um, some of the students, I mean, anybody start school this week? Yeah. I talked to somebody in college and they said they started like the 28th. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I said, when you get out, they're like May 5th. I'm like, I got to go to that school. (laughs) But school can be stressful. School can be difficult as a parent or a student. But it's also an opportunity. Last week, I'm so, I was, man, I was so blessed. And I, before we did this, I knew that we were going to commission our students last week, and we were going to pray for them, and we were going to send out junior high, high school, college, some middle school, uh, and even teachers. We were going to send them out. We commissioned them as missionaries to share the gospel in their schools whenever that opportunity arose. And if you haven't seen the pictures Check out my Facebook page. They are absolutely amazing. They're incredible. You see people, and I, and I put on there, I posted something the other day. I think I said, I said, I love my church, and I just attached those pictures. I love my church because I love the people in my church, and it was people giving of themselves. I mean, there's people physically laying hands on people to send them out to go into the school so that they could share the gospel with a lost world. That's choosing to pray for other people, choosing to help other people. I was just, if you've been through a couple days, three days, I hope your school week 
has gone okay. Some of us may see a five-day school week this week. Okay, yeah, I know, like, all five days. You may have to go to school all five days. Uh, <laughs> um, I want you to think about something real quick. I want you to think about this. Just, just a simple little piece. I want you to think about all the things that God has done in your life. We can't possibly name them all probably even today, but I want you to think about the things that God has done in your life. I played five games of softball yesterday at the IBSA state tournament, and I'm very competitive, and everybody that knows me, and we got second, and, sent my, and my, my mom goes, oh, congratulations. I'm like, we got second. It's the first loser, mom. <laughs> Although we should be proud of what we did, we were, we were pretty competitive. But anyway, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, and I, I, was, I was shown something by God yesterday, and he used softball, and he used a guy that was, I'm just, I'm just guessing, between 45 and 50 years old. And um, every, time he, every time he got up to hit, and their team really probably w- was just there to fellowship. They, they weren't expecting to take home a trophy. They were just having a lot of fun. And this guy gets up, and he had his biggest smile. He got up to bat. That ball come in, I'm thinking, man, this guy is like, this, maybe this guy is going to hit the ball like 800 feet, and then he's going to really smile. But he's like this, and he goes, tink, and it's a little ground ball to third base, and he jogs down first baseline. I'm playing first base, you know, and our third baseman comes in and just, you know, throws a fireball to me, and like, poof, you know, and I toss a pitch back, and I'm, just, I'm saying, hey, we got one out like this. And then he comes like on the base, he's that late, okay, he comes in, he just stands at first base, he goes, that's just a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm standing here on this side of the base playing defense going, fun. Yeah, you just ground, you just got out. Like, you were out by, we play 70 feet, 70 foot bases. He might have been out by 30 feet. It, it wasn't hard to see that he was out. I mean, I tagged the base, threw the ball back to our pitcher, Turned around and told our right fielder we had one out, and, th- and then he crossed the bag. And he goes, man, it's just a good time to get out here. I was like, dude, you guys are getting smoked, and you just got out. That doesn't happen to me. What, what, what is different? So I got talking to this guy after the game, and they, they were. They said, we just put a group of guys together, and we just want to come up here and have fun today. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. That's, that's fun. And... Um, and we're, I was talking to him, and he goes, yeah, I just, he goes, man, after, after the things that I've been through in my life, and just, get the, just getting the feeling, just hitting a little ground ball at third base, just really, really just lighten my, brighten my day, and I'm going, your idea of success and my idea of success are not the same thing. I want to physically hit a ball through a fence, not just over, I just hit it through it. Okay? That's, that's, I want to I see success or hit a, hit a home run. And he goes, man, that's after the things that God has just brought me out of and through in my life, he goes, it's just an honor to be able to play on a field, have some fun, and hit a ground ball at third base. And I just got a wake-up call because he chose to tell me how God had changed his life through a lot of the physical ailments that he's had in his life. He's had cancer, but God. <laughs> he's had all these different things. and Kind of like, yeah. Hitting the ground ball to third base on an 83-degree day and jogging down to first base, even if you're out, is a blessing. It'll change your mindset when we talk about the way that, and he was very open to share with me yesterday. And that's what this is. 
This is, this is the final step. This is the final step of the series, The Choice is Yours, because it comes all down to this. This is the application step. This is where you do. It's all fine and dandy to have all of the knowledge of certain lessons in math, but it comes down to the application when you have to take it out of your head and you have to write it down on the test and see what you score. This is the application. We've done all the studying. If you've walked through any of these steps, as you look at the, the, the Beatitudes and the eight principles of what we talked about and how to, how to overcome stuff, learning that, you, that it's not up to you. You don't have any control. You need God. And now, this is the last step. But, to some of you, this is going to be a cliffhanger. Because you can't choose to help others if you don't let God help you. We just want to get here. When I started, when I started my diet, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to automatically get to that. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of ha- having to eat certain things so that I don't gain weight or I do this or I have to work out or I have to run and I have to do this. I just want the end result, but you can't get this end result without being molded. What's God done in your life? What's God forgiven you of? What has he worked through in your life? If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 and we're also going to be in Mark chapter 5, if you want to put your fingers there, we'll be there in just a little bit. But if you have your worship handout, I want you to open up to that first blank. In a country, in a country that, that offers free speech, I want to ask you a question. That's, those, are the, those are the blanks, and I'll get to this in a second. But in a country that allows free speech, why are followers of Jesus so quiet? I don't mean that we have to annoyingly broadcast, get in someone's face. But why are we so quiet in a country that allows us to? There's, there, I, know, I know of a, I have a friend, and, and because of his, his safety, literally, his, his livelihood, his, his, his well-being, I cannot tell you where he is in the globe. I cannot tell you where he is. Because where he is... Uh, is a is a controlled nation and it's not free like here. And if he is caught with this, the minimum that he will have is to go to jail. It's illegal for God's word to be there. And he has been called to be a missionary there. So we can't he can't even discuss some stuff with people. Where, where is God going to send you? Why are we so quiet? I want you to look at the, the blank right here. If you haven't already filled in, I want you to look at this. If you're a follower of Jesus, or otherwise, if you're, if you're a Christian, okay, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, okay, all these things mean the same thing, but a follower of Jesus, by the way, follower does not mean the same thing as a fan of. If you want to read a good book, read Not a Fan. It'll blow your mind. Followers and fans are not the same thing. Yay, I like the Cardinals. It's another thing to be like some of my friends. Well, hey, did you see Bader last night? He had a triple at right center gap. And he was hustling out of the box. And whenever he slid into third, he went. And he smiled at the camera. And then he makes an incredibly 
awesome, amazing catch from center field that he ran like 60 feet for and laid out for and caught? Did you see, did you see that? See, there's a fan of saying, I like the Cardinals. Yay. There's a difference between talking with some of my friends and like, yeah, I don't like this guy in this rotation because he's doing this and this and this. And they know, whoa, wow, lots. Okay, that's a follower. Okay. The only reason probably that I knew that is um, I got to sit with my roommate last night and I was at Bush Stadium. I saw it. Otherwise, I may not have known that. Okay, but we, followers and fans are not the same thing. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you say Jesus is, is my Lord, you can, Jesus can be three words. He can be three L words to you. He can, be a, he can be a liar, he can be a lunatic, or he can be Lord. That's it. He can't be anything other than those three. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. He's either crazy, he's lied to us, or he is exactly who he says and God's word says that he is. So if you're following Jesus, you have a testimony. Now, this is awesome. This is cool. When we have things that happen in our life, when God happens to our life, we have a testimony. There are people in here that I've shared things with about my life. I try to be as transparent as I can. That I do that to show them what God has done so that God can help them and I can maybe help them as well. You have that testimony. You have that. I can tell you that it was because of a Messianic Jew named Mike Copen who, who was a Jewish person uh, by culture and had accepted that Jesus was the Messiah, thus the Messianic Jews, that, that's what he is. And he came to First Baptist Church in Albion and he proclaimed God's word and the gospel. And as a result of him doing that, the Holy Spirit convicted my life and I became a Christian. And that's part of my testimony. And Mike played the guitar. Maybe that's where I fell in love with the guitar. I don't know. But, but maybe. But part of my testimony is this. Mary and I, she's, actually she's in the back now. But there are testimonies in our life about things that are good. And there's things in our testimony that are very, very tough to go through. Can I just share with you that you're probably going to use the tough ones more than the good ones and the easy ones? I was leading worship at a church that used to meet in a gym that the people were really crazy. And they were really weird. And I remember telling Mike before church one day, I said, hey, I said, Mary and I, if you can keep it quiet, and Mike was very good at that, I said, if you can keep it quiet, um, Mary and I are expecting. And I told him that, and he said, oh, he goes, you need to share it with our church because we're family. And if you'll remember, I got to share with a church that we were expecting, and everybody's excited. Oh, yeah, the the young worship leader and his his wife are are pregnant, and that's how we're going to continue to grow our church. And we're still doing that, so keep doing that. And so <laughs> having babies. And so, so we found out that Mary was pregnant within a couple of weeks later. Some, we got some very, very, very bad news. And I had to share with the church. And Mike, Mike challenged me. He said, you need to be open. You need to be as open as you can. And let me just tell you that I believe that God will, he will show you a whole lot if you can share this. If you can't, you can't, but you need to share this. And I got up on a Sunday morning, I remember that, and we were singing praises to Jesus. And I, and I got up and I said, I, I just want to make an announcement that, that Mary and I, have, we're going to have a miscarriage. We, we, we lost the baby. And it's something that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. After church that Sunday, I remember, I remember five ladies independently of each other. I know, uh, I know of five of them. Five 
Not one, not two, not happenstance. There was maybe, maybe one there. There were five in that service, and we probably heard from more than ten people, right? We probably heard from more than ten people in our church. But that's not something that you just talk about. And they began to come up to us. Hey, we've been through this. We know exactly what this is. And they used their testimony of what God did in their life to help us. And I can't tell you how many times in the last 10 or 11 years since that's happened that God has put us just, I feel that he just puts us in that position with those people that are going through the same thing. And I said, I've been through that. I had a very good friend and him and his wife had had that happen to them a couple months before it happened to us. And he said, let me share with you about my last two months and what that looked like. I'm like, man. That's awesome. And he chose to help me. See, we, we, we're to share it. But unfortunately, what I can't tell you is this. Yes, it's easy. It might be easier for you to share some of the easy, the great and the good stuff. But when we're talking about reaching a messed up world, I, in my opinion, you're going to use your hard stuff way more. You're going to use, man, I, I used to do this. I was addicted to this. I was this. I was this. I was this. But God, today we're going we're gonna to find, we're going to find that what should happen, we're going to look in Scripture and see what should happen, and then how we can copy that. Last week, and la- the last two weeks, we, we sang a, a really, really popular song with me. Um, it's called All the Poor and Powerless. And in the bridge, it talks about, it talks about um, telling God's love to everyone is what the song's about. But on, in the bridge, it says this. It says, shout it. Don't talk about it, don't converse about it, but we're to shout it, God's love, from the mountains. We're supposed to tell it to the masses, scream it from the mountains, tell it to the masses. The, 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 the thing is this, Why are Americans, Mount Vernians, Illinoisans, why is it so much easier for us to get on the phone, get on Facebook, text somebody else, and immediately disclose information about somebody that's having an affair? And to gossip. And we're not excited to tell people about Jesus and what he's done. But by golly, we will get on, we'll get on, we'll call our friend. Um, do you know this? Do you know this? Man, <laughs> that's not your testimony. It's none of your business. It's none of my business. But stereotypically, it's much easier for us to pass along negative information much faster than we do good information it's easier we feel i think that whenever we share something with somebody it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves mary told me something that emma did the other day and we do this and you don't have to do this and you don't have to like that we do this it's just a a way to to show our kids that we're proud of them and we, whenever we have somebody outside of our family come and talk to us about something that our kids have done, 
that would make us proud. Sometimes we give him a treat. Maybe we give him a dollar. Maybe we take him to Dairy Queen. Maybe we do something like that. But it's to reinforce them being kind, (laughs) being good people. And I hope that people will share about me. You know, I didn't know Matt that well, but he was nice. He liked coffee a lot. But he loved people. When we share things, we're talking about things that that guy that I talked to yesterday, it's, it's not like God didn't know what I was going to talk about today. <laughs> and I talked to this, that guy that hit that ground ball to third base. He goes, man, I'm just so happy to be out here. I'm like, dude, you, got, you were out like 30 feet. Like it wasn't even close. He goes, yeah. He goes, if you come face to face with an illness like that, you have another, a whole new look and outlook on life. I'm like, wow. So I got my sermon yesterday. I'm just sharing that with you today. Okay. But he was, he was open enough and he shared that hard, hard stuff. And he said this. And he did, not, he did not have a clue. I told him. He did not have a clue what I was talking about today. But he said, he said, whenever something like that happens in your life, you can't shut up. You can't shut up about how good God is. He goes, God healed my body of cancer. He used the doctors. He, he used chemo, but it was God. And he goes, I can't shut up about how good he is. We should be the ones screaming how good God is wherever we go. Even if we have a flat tire in the parking lot. I don't know if anybody has a flat tire in the parking lot. I'm not telling you that I'm um, using my prophetic uh, (laughs) announcement to do that. uh, Because I don't think that's right. But anyway, uh, if you have... I have an air compressor. If you have a, if you have a flat tire, I guess I'll, I'll go home and I'll fill up my air compressor and I'll come back. Um, I'll, I'll help you. Okay? But we don't always just run out and, and want to shout things that happen. We don't want to always tell about things that happen. Because we're afraid of doing this. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. It'll be in Matthew 5 in just a second. That first word right there will absolutely stop a high, high, high majority and percentage of people. When we have to yield your, when you have to yield myself, yourself to God, to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and be my words. This is a step. This is an eighth step. This is when God has taken you out of that, and now He says, "Okay, I want you to yield myself. Yield, Matt. You need to stop. Stop. Let me talk." Now you listen. Now you do. I don't want to do that. And I used an illustration this morning that I hope, I hope can, can sink in your head and, and, you can, and you can grab onto it and you can hold onto it for a long time because it's probably not something that you've ever thought of. Potter's wheel. The Bible talks about God being, being the potter and forming clay. Actually, the Bible speaks of clay pots. as He speaks of them as earthen vessels. And that's actually, if you're a 1990s person like myself, that's where jars of clay got their name. Jars of clay. Okay? So, there's a wheel. And the potter would sit down, and on top of the wheel, he would, he would seat the clay. It would sit it pretty hard to seal it on the bottom. And then the potter would put a little water in it, and on his hands, and he would, or her, and he would begin. But now we're talking about God, so it's he. So now, 
He's putting his, his fingers in, and, he, and he's molding. But here's the problem. Us, we, are the clay. Okay? There's a hymn about this. Okay? But some of us have been sitting on the wheel, unwilling to let God touch us because it's our choice. We have not let God touch us, and we have been sitting on this wheel, and the wheel has been spinning for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And, and even when God wants to add some water to, to keep us from drying out, we refuse it. So now we have some, basically, some, some rocks that are spinning around on top of this potter wheel that God has to rehydrate in order to even be able to form. And we can get stuck. But this, is, this has been my problem. Maybe it's been your problem. God, maybe metaphorically, God says this, Matt, I want you to be a plate. But I don't want to be a plate. Plates are boring. God, you know, I don't even like dishes. <laughs> I don't want to be a plate. I don't want to plate. Plates to me, are, it's, I don't want to be a plate. If it was up to me, you'd use paper towels and paper plates. I don't want to be a plate. He said, I need you to be a plate. I don't want to be a plate. What do you want to be? A coffee cup. I don't want you to be a coffee cup. No, but God, here's the deal. Plates are boring, and I want to be a coffee cup, a big one, that people want to use. I want to be in the spotlight. I want to be the, the first thing that they pull out in the morning. I want to be the first thing, this, the, their prized possession. I have a student that got me Griswold's Christmas vacation. is awesome. So, um, it, big mug. It's 22 ounces. I can't even drink all of it before. I mean, you can, but. It, it, it gets cold on you. The handle's like this big, and I'm, I drink it like this. <laughs> but every time somebody comes over and we have coffee, I'll give them that cup, and I'll put like this much in it, because this much is literally like a full cup. And we're like, wow, this is a cool mug. I say, see, God, I told you I want to be a coffee cup. I want to be a coffee cup because they're popular things. I want to be in a spotlight. I want people to use me. I want people to need me in the morning to function. And plates don't do that. I don't want to be a plate. Plates are boring. He said, I need you to be a plate. And sometimes we refuse to let God form us and shape us into what he's made us to be, all because of personal preference. And we can choose. And so we say this, um, maybe, maybe God is kind of flattening me out. And I said, you know what? Stop. Guess what? He will. The choice is yours. The choice is absolutely yours. God says, I have this plan for you. I want you to be this. You know, if he, if he told me, man, I want you to be a bowl. I don't want to be a bowl. Why? Because I don't eat cereal and I don't like milk. What? Some of you are going, oh my goodness, my pastor doesn't like milk. Sorry, it doesn't like me. So, um, and, and I can't eat ice cream and that's, it's just sad. <laughs> so, but I said, God says, I want you to be a bowl. I said, I don't want to be a bowl. I don't want to be a fork. I don't want to be a knife. I don't want to be a plate. I want to be a coffee cup. And we have this little bitty mindset that says, God, make me this or else. And we stand here like a six-year-old kid. Man. God says, I want you to yield myself. If you yield yourself, this is what you do. You let not only God puts, puts the water on the clay, and then he puts the water on his hands, but then you let him grab you, and he molds and pulls apart. And creates you and fashions you exactly how you want to be. Because when you do that. And you yield yourself and he shapes you. Then. Then. 
then is when I accept that I'm a plate is when God says, I have been waiting for this. And he throws my plate into the oven and it, it's, it's, it's into the fire and it comes back out and he, and he shellacks it. And all of a sudden I look down at this plate and go, man, this plate's pretty. Wow, it's kind of cool to be a plate. And God goes, I know. I'm, I'm, everybody's unique. I've created you completely and purposely exactly like that so I can use you, but you have to stop. Stop telling me what to do. Let me yield yourself to me. Look at Matthew 5.10. And this is, this, as Jesus is going through the Beatitudes here, he says, Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. My wife and I were trying to get out of debt, okay? One of the, one of the, one of the silliest things that we personally ever did, I'm not against anybody doing this. Do not leave here and go, well, Pastor Matt said I can never buy a new car. I did not say that. I said we didn't save up and it wasn't the smartest financial decision that we had ever made. In fact, it might have been one of the most not smart things we've ever done. So we get this vehicle. We pay it off. We have no payment on this vehicle. Mary used to have a Dodge Charger. I called it the race car. It was her car. I didn't get to drive it very much. But we almost did drive the wheels off of it. We drove it for a long time. 160, 170,000 miles. And we, we were getting like 120, 130,000 miles. And that's not, that's not high mileage to my dad. He has a 98 Dakota that has 397,000 miles on it. And he's asked me because it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of getting ready to meet Jesus, I think. It's gonna, it's gonna, it may rapture out soon. But, but he asked me the other day, he goes, do you think we can push it for the last 3,000? I just want to hit 400. And I go, not me. <laughs> so we talk... <laughs> talks about this car and mary and i would come to family gatherings in this car and they go oh we got it we got it in the in uh, i think january of 2008 it's a 2000 it was a 2007 and say like you know two or three years ago we're still driving the same car and we pulled up and my some of my family be outside and go are you still driving that car yes i don't know what i'm supposed to say yes and they said, and basically, we caught grief because it wasn't the cool thing to drive something like that. And we actually, I don't want to say persecuted, but we were kind of teased because we were choosing to, to better our financial situation. And we weren't doing what they wanted to do. Well, what, what it came down to is this. We, we realized that, that there was a little bit of jealousy because of the steps we were taking. And when you do it, when you do this spiritually there's some people that we walk around that that are that are very much able to teach us and we kind of tease these people because we're jealous of them jesus tells tells these people on the side of this mountain on the sermon on the mountain he says listen almost all of you people are going to be persecuted Almost all of you people are going to be made fun of for following me. And it's not me, or it's not you that they don't like. It's what you have in you, which is me. And he says, they don't like me. The world doesn't like me because I'm different. And he said, when you continue to do what God requires, look at that word happy. It translates, it translates into joy, okay? You'll have joy. When you do what God requires you to do, you'll have joy. So whenever I can stand over here and go, I'm a plate, and I take full ownership of that, and I realized, okay, God, and I don't just say it, I say this, God, how can you use me as a plate today? How can you use me? You know, there's some days, if my, if my 
what's really bad is if my wife gets to be a coffee cup. <sighs> she doesn't even drink coffee. It's like, it's like bad mojo to even do that. So, so Sam, I'm a plate. And some days, some days this is what God does. He goes, I said, God, how do you want me to be a plate? He goes, I want you to be a support system so your wife can sit right here so you can hold her up today. She's going to have a hard day. We think we know all this stuff. God, you can't use a plate. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Because plates help hold and support people. You think a pastor needs to help and support people? <laughs> yep. But I don't want to be a plate. I just have days like that. I don't want to be a plate. I don't want to be a plate. Look at the next blank on your worship handout. What is it that God requires us, or if you want to X this out in your handout, what is it that God requires you to do? Are you still arguing with him have you, as you went through this journey and you get over here and you go, I don't want to be a plate. I don't want to be a plate. I don't want to be a plate. I was talking to a person this morning. I have a, I have a friend and he, he taught art at Edwards County High School for, I think, like 35 years. And my sister and, and my wife have been in churches where we've seen this done. Norman, Norm, Norman Howell, that's his name. If you know Norman, um, he, he'll come and he has this great big great big canvas and it's got semi semi sketched what he's going to draw and he begins to draw and one of my favorite ones that, he, that he's ever painted is is a is a potter sitting at the wheel and he's forming a pot in the middle and on and on this side of the painting is all these all these beautiful vases that are completely whole and on this side there's a whole bunch of vases that are broken and cracked because in the firing process and pottery when it's tested by fire it can break so it has to be strong. So when this world tests you, we have to be strong. If you, if you want the world to test you without Christ, I don't think that's the smartest idea you've ever had. Because it, you have to be tested. So in this, in this painting, the broken ones are here, the potter's sitting here, and I'll kind of sit this way for you, and the, and the good ones are here. And, and it begins to form this thing, and, and they play music, and it's, it's beautiful. And he, and he just takes pastel pastel uh, uh, chalk and just begins to begins to draw and that, as you know and all of a sudden you know the guy's facial features comes to life and you see his hands and he's so intrigued on this pot but the thing is Norman Howe has an incredible ability to do something that you and I probably I can't I know I can't he can do something in front of you and you not even know he did it because you see why he's drawing with the colors that you can see he's also drawing with invisible chalk that's only can be seen with a black light. So you see this guy, and this, it's all colored out, this beautiful red vase, and in the middle is just left white. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that, man? you got to fill it in. I've, I've colored for a lot of years. <laughs> Color it in, okay? And you see this, and it's his intention. All of a sudden, at the very end of the service, you get done, and you're like, wow, it's a really beautiful picture. It's a, it's a very interested potter in this pot. It's forming this beautiful red pot. And there's some stuff that was broken or good and some stuff that was broken and however I said that, okay? And all of a sudden he turns, he's got a dial. It goes really, really slow and every, all the lights go out and he turns it really, really slow. And inside the, inside the pot, all of a sudden you start seeing this chalk that couldn't have been seen before without black light and it was a person and the potter was God. And you see all this stuff just come to life that you couldn't have seen and instead of just this side being the good pots and this side being the broken ones, these pots get beautifully brilliant brighter 
because he's highlighted them with the chalk. And on this side, all the broken ones are made whole. See, that's what God wants to do with you. But he requires you to do this. Some people ask me, they say, how can we be praying for connection? What are, what are some things that you envision God wanting to do? Here you go. Top of the list. We have a lot of people driving from Wayne County. We have connect groups this week. I would like to see God move sometime this fall and give us a teacher and a house in Wayne County to have another connect group. We need it. <laughs> we need it. I would like to see people fill in some slots where they can serve. Maybe, maybe God is, is pressing you to teach. Um, maybe you have a house in Wayne County. Let me know. Okay. But in Mark chapter 5, I want to I I let, let you see this. In Mark chapter 5, we, we, if you, if you want to read this whole story, you can later, but I'll give it to you in a, in a nutshell. There was a guy that had a family, uh, and, and over a course of something, of, of time, he began to become demon-possessed, okay? Now, I want, you to, I want you to think about this. He had demonic spirits living inside of him that he could not control anything that he did. So he couldn't be around his family anymore, so he moved outside of the town, and he lived in what would be known as today as a cemetery. He would live in a cave, and the Bible speaks of him howling, and he would cut himself with sharp rocks. He had no, he had no control over his life. And there were people that said, hey, man, I mean, they would go up there, and this guy, it's like, it was an agenda. They, they took, it was almost like a, a torch and pitchfork party. They're like, hey, we got to go tie this guy up. They would tie him up with ropes, and he would break him. They would tie him up with chains, and he would break them. He was super, super strong, super, super strength. But he lived tormented day and night, filled with demons, filled with negative stuff that would not act, would let him act like a normal person. It took away his family. It took away everything in his life. Can you imagine? See, some of us may not have ever dealt with that kind of thing, okay? And I would like to do some, I would like to speak on that. We do not have any kind of time like that for today, but maybe later sometime. But maybe you understand a time in life where you couldn't control your actions. Or something was affecting you so great that you didn't have a choice. See, I, there were times in my life I didn't think I had a choice except to be angry. I got mad because I didn't want to get mad that I got mad. You see this kind of weird struggle? I didn't have control until finally I went through the Celebrate Recovery 12 steps, and I got to the end of it, and I'm like, holy cow, God is peeling back the layers. I know how to deal with this. I know my triggers. I know this. I know this. I know what God requires me to do. Maybe you know what it's like to go through life and have some struggles, addictions, whatever it is. This is what it looks like whenever God works in your life. And we'll get back to the story in just a second. I was riding home with two of my buddies. So we're three collegiate athletes, two baseball players and a college basketball player that played slow pitch on the same team. Yesterday, we're driving home. Called my dad. Hey, dad, what's up? Hey, how'd the tournament go? We got second. Good job. No, Dad, we got second. Second. Didn't win. Yeah, second. Oh, I still, still had a fun day. Yeah, yeah, 
I remember back to what I talked with about that guy. I said, you know, it was a good day. It was fun. Had a lot of had a lot of good times yesterday. And and I hung up the phone, and one of one of my buddies goes, "Is that, is that your dad?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You always tell your dad you love him before you hang up the phone." I said, "Yeah." Huh? And he just got quiet. I know his dad. I know both their dads. And it just maybe it just got got him thinking. He said, "He said, can I ask you guys something?" I said, "What's that?" He said, "Will you pray for me?" Wow. Not the conversation I was thinking that was going to be with you know three college athletes. We don't, we don't talk like that. We're we're not that weak. And he began to talk about some struggles that he has in his life. He said, it just feels like I can't even, and he's, he's a Christian. He said, I just, I just feel like I can't even get over this battle. Shocker, I've been through that. So I began to share what God did with, did with my life. And the other guy is sitting here just like watching this conversation go like this. And he goes, I don't want to be left out about this. He goes, I need some prayer about this. And I went, wow, we're just having church going down the road. But it wasn't until my friend asked, asked for prayer, he said, he said, I can't do this on my own. Bingo. You have to get there. You have to understand how broken. So the guy is completely uncontrollable. He can't, have, he can't do what he wants. But when you read this story in chapter 5, the, the man is sitting there and he gets a visitor from Jesus. <laughs> this is awesome. I want you to see this, and some of you need to like seriously speak this over your life for this week. Jesus walks up, because we tell ourselves lies all the time. I'll always do this. I can never not do this, blah, blah, blah. Jesus walks up to this man. The man, the demons inside begin to speak to Jesus. Why? Because they know exactly who this is. Absolutely. Jesus comes up to this man, and all the people are gathering around. Legion is the guy, is, or is the demon inside the guy because he, he calls him Legion because he says we're many. Uh, I looked up what the word many says and I looked up the number of pigs that these demons were going to get sent into. The demons did this first. They begged Jesus not to destroy them. They begged Jesus not to torture them. And they begged Jesus to go into the pigs. So the, Jesus walks up to this guy. Now watch, watch this. Jesus is about ready to happen to this dude. Walks up and he says, I command you to leave this man and go into those pigs. That's all he said. And they followed. They have to. They, they already know what their eternity looks like. They're already sealed and done. Okay? They know who Jesus is. So Jesus happens. I can't imagine what this guy, probably physically exhausted, just kind of almost passes out. I looked up the number of pigs that could have been by this herdsman. There could have been as many as 2,000 pigs. And they ran off this cliff, and they drowned. And then a whole bunch of people come showing up because the guy that was watching the pigs has no more pigs to watch. They committed pig suicide, created a world full of bacon. So I think he may have went back and said, hey, you need to see Jesus, and there's a whole lot of free bacon. So lots of people came, Okay. Some of you will get that after lunch. So anyway, so they said, this herdsman runs into town. He goes, dude, you got to come and see what just happened. He said, I lost my entire thing of pigs. And this guy is not acting like he used to act. All these people show up. I can't imagine everything in a split second would have been out of that guy. 
And now he was, now he, look what he wanted to do. In, in, in chapter 5, verse 18, look at this real quick. So Jesus is getting ready to leave. Okay, he's, he's healed the dude. It's called, he's called the demoniac in, in the Bible. So he heals this guy. And Jesus says, you know, my work here is done. Or whatever he said. I don't know. And he hops in the boat. Look, he's getting into the boat. And the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go. Have your kids ever begged you by, like, grabbing a hold of something and, like, pulling? Okay, Lydia, Lydia is, she's a little bit big for it right now. But she used to. I'd be standing there, and if she didn't want me to leave or didn't want Mary to go, she would come, and she would somehow physically attach herself, almost like a leech, and she would not be able to be pulled off, okay? <laughs> like, sprinkle salt like she's a slug or something, and she's like this. And if you've ever got a Lydia hug, you know how tight the child can squeeze. So she, she's like this. This man probably was the same way with Jesus. He changed his life. He freed him from all the stuff. And this guy comes and he says, Jesus, please, I want to go in the boat with you. I want to be right beside me. I want to be right beside you. If you know anything about my, my youngest daughter, Lydia, one of her absolute number one love languages is physical touch. If she could snuggle somehow right here on my face, she would stay there all day. She loves being close. She loves to be hugged. She loves to be patted and, and, and just and whatever. But this, she would have, he would have been the same way with Jesus. Do not leave. I, you saved my life. I've never seen anybody change my life like you. And Jesus says, no. What a jerk. What do you mean? This guy wants to be beside you. Jesus, I thought we were supposed to, I thought we were supposed to follow you. This is really following. I mean, he wants to be attached to your hip. He wants to grab onto your leg. And Jesus says, no, if you come with us, it'll just be addition. But if you go do what I tell you to do, if you want to be the plate that I've made you to be, I want you to go back to your family. As it says in verse 19, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. When this guy went two separate ways from Jesus and him home, we're not talking about addition. We're talking about multiplication of the gospel of Jesus. We should be waiting to say, guess what God did for me today? I hit a ground ball to third base and I got thrown out by 30 feet. Ha! You're probably never going to hear me say that. <laughs> but anyway, we, we, we have to be, man, I, I, I'm so pumped. My truck started when I came to church today. My truck started. And it drives in a straight line. And if you let go of the steering wheel, it keeps going straight. I have owned cars that didn't do that. Meow. <laughs> Alignment city, right? We should be ready to give account for what Jesus did. And look what he didn't do. Somebody find in here where it says he argued with Jesus or he didn't listen to him. No arguing. No arguing. Jesus says, no, listen. I want you to go home to your family. Tell them everything that I've done for you and how merciful, merciful I have been. In verse 20, the next word describes what he did. He says, so the man started off to visit the ten towns. What? Ten towns? Man. Bluford? Main City? Woodlawn? Mount Vernon? Waltonville? I mean, he's, go, he's just making the laps. Hey, you will never guess <clears throat> what I did, what Jesus did for me. He made me a plate. Ha! He cleaned off my plate. He cleaned me. He put me on a different path. He took the addiction out of my life. He freed me. Do you have any idea? If, you, if you've ever struggled with this, you'll understand. Do you have any idea how much better I like my brain working when, I didn't, when I'm not going through and having depression thoughts? Do you have any clue? 
Sometimes I wake up in the morning and go, man, I love mornings. Because <laughs> I'm awake. I'm alive. Because Jesus happened to me. So when I have people come into my life and they said, I have, I have these thoughts. I don't think that I'm important. I said, you need to sit down. You need to listen to exactly everything that I say. Because Jesus made me a plate. And I know what kind of struggles you're going through right now. And you begin to open up and you begin to go to visit these ten towns like this man did. Look at this. Of the whole region, he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And, every, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Do you know that because the Bible is timeless and ageless and, it, and it's living, that when you tell people, when I get to speak life into people that I meet with, do you know and realize right now that it amazes them? Not me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about what he did. We have, man, we, shouldn't, we just shouldn't be quiet about what God has done for us. So look at the last blank, and we'll be finished up for this morning. Look at this. Answer these to yourself. To yourself sometime this week. What has God done in your life? Man, man, I could take all day. I know. That's why we're not taking time right now. What has God done in your life? For me, I'm, I'm, I'm as open as I can be. I've struggled with depression in my life. I have. So what has God done in your life? He's changed the way that I think. He's transformed me. He's transformed the way that I see things in my life. Because I spend more time with him. And I ask him. And I, and I, I ask him to, to move in my life. And I ask him to show me why he made me a plate. So what has God done? How can you share? I'm sorry, I messed up. It's, it should say share, not shared. How can you share that with other people? First of all, you have to get to the end of the process and you have to work the process. It doesn't just happen. I don't want to talk to people. Yeah, because you probably haven't peeled the labels back yet, the layers. Will you share it with others? Do you realize there's people that are walking by you in the grocery store or walking beside you or have a desk beside you every day at work that needs you to literally open your mouth about Jesus? You sit beside students in high school that need you to open your mouth about Jesus or live your life. I heard of some stuff that happened in our, in our school systems. I'm going to tell you what. If you don't think that we need to pray for our students and our teachers, you're wrong. But what a mission field. Oh, my goodness. What a mission field we have for our students that we sent out last week. I pray every single person up here that's going to encounter a school, I pray that they just understand that they're a fork, knife, spoon, plate, saucer, cup, if even the cool coffee mugs, that they would just minister, they would share. So will you? Will you share it with somebody? Chances are, if you ask God to bring somebody in your life that you can share some things with, guess what will happen? Poof. But even when that time comes, you still have a choice whether you're going to do it or not. And the choice is yours. Let's pray. God, we love you. It's difficult to share things that are hard that have happened to us in our life, God, but we just ask for courage. We just ask, God, that we take these steps of the Beatitudes and, God, that we would, we would begin to change, allow you to change us. God, help us to practice being content struggle with that sometimes help me to be content God if you want me to be whatever you want me to be 
I'll be just that. But I pray that we can just be moldable people. That we can, we can choose to say, yes, God, put your hands in my life and shape me how you want me so you can use me. God, we love you and we're so thankful for Jesus Christ. May everything that we say and do today glorify your name. In your name we pray. Amen.